All right, here we are now. And today we're talking about philanthropy. I'd like to share some of my ideas, some of my expectations, and just some of the things I think about in relation to philanthropy. And maybe this can help you think about some of the things you're doing and what your approach is. Now, philanthropy is basically, in a nutshell, giving money away. And it's a broad term. It's a term that is actually something we can break down into smaller parts. And that's what I'd like to do. That's what I think this conversation is about. Now, of course, it is fundamental to realize that a person's choice is a person's choice. It is entirely up to you. It is very tricky not to fall into a kind of expectation. Now, (laughs) that being said, I am going to assert a very strong expectation. And really, there's no way around this. So this is a bit of a, a contradiction, which I hope you can see, I hope you can understand. And once we illustrate some of the dynamics of philanthropy, I think it will become perfectly clear as to what I mean. Now, how do you be a philanthropist? Well, basically, you give money away. And there's a number of ways in which you can do this. It's a little bit hard to know where to start. Basically, the first point, the first way of giving money away is through donations. And there's two basic ideas with donations. You can have a one-off donation or you can have a recurring donation. Now, with a one-off donation, the best way to do that is to actually do it as part of an event. So that would be that someone is holding a fundraiser or someone is holding a crowdfunding open night or some sort of event or gathering or social gathering where they're specifically having that event for donations. And that would be because there's some new venture, there's a new project happening. And that's where you can give your one-off lump sum donation and you do it as a part of an event. Another thing to another moment or time is with these smaller fundraisers. And I have this thing for myself, which is that whenever a personal friend or someone I know personally has a fundraiser, I give money, no matter what. It's usually around $50. And I have that thing in in me that no matter where I'm at in the week with my money and my bills and whatever's going on, whoever it is that I know, whether I know them you know, as a, an acquaintance or someone who is just in my circle, then it's always a yes. And I say, no, I always have to do this. So even if someone starts a fundraiser and it's one of those weeks where I'm just like, oh, I probably shouldn't have spent quite so much. It's going to be a little bit tricky to make the rent and I probably should rein in the spending. Even when I'm in that position, I say, no, I've got this thing that I hold myself to, which is to pay the fundraiser, to pay my friend. And if any friend asks for money, then I give them money. And of course, (laughs) it's very rare. I mean, to say, can you help me out with some money? That's, That's a little bit different to philanthropy, you know, like to buy someone lunch or to sort of 
give a friend a little helping hand and that that's a little bit different right and in that situation it's like well the person who earns more money should pay for the lunch <laughs> or we can split the bill right you can work that out that's sort of just a a sort of way by the ways sort of thing that happens but to look at now the other side of donations you can have recurring donations and my expectation for you is if you have a job if you have a job at all you must be giving a monthly donation to someone at least at least once a month now how you go about choosing the organization that you give to is really quite a process, right? You can do some research into what it is that you care about. You can do some research into what it is that resonates with you, right? Because there's a number of organizations that deal with a number of human issues. It's not just poverty in third world countries. And of course, that's a very big category unto itself, right? Poverty in third world and developing countries can work with water supply specifically or medical supply or housing or food or transport or education or microloans, right? So foreign aid is a very big category and my suggestion is you just just choose one small category with an organization that you are comfortable with and that resonates with you. Another good way to actually find who you should donate to monthly is to actually talk to someone. And this is how I got into the one that I donate to. It's that they had a pop-up sales, right? So they had the sales pitch people out and about. And I actually started talking to them. Now, normally when you meet someone who's got a sales pitch, you think, "Ah, I don't want it. Get it away from me, right? And... Some of the time I'm like that, but a lot of the time also I'm actually quite open to, well, okay, let me hear what you say. Let me hear what you've got to sell and what is it that you're really pushing. What's your message? Come on, give it to me. And this one time, you know, I was walking through the mall and I noticed there was a pop-up stand and I was like, okay, well, what's this all about? And I spoke to this lady and she was very good in her pitch. She was very good in the description of how my money would be used and she just resonated with me personally and that is a fact of a lot of the time how money changes hands it's how you feel personally about someone and how you have that moment of that human connection it really helps to have that human connection now you could say that that's bias right peter singer would say just because you don't know that person personally and you don't have some immediate connection with them in the same location as to where you are, you should still be able to donate to them. And really, the whole Peter Singer philosophy is something, you know, I don't really want to get into that right now, but that is related to what we're talking about here. You can do further research into that. But, you know, I don't, I don't want to go into that. I really just want to say it in my own way. I just want to talk about what we're talking about here. So, For me, it was Cerebral Palsy Alliance. So I give monthly to the Cerebral Palsy Alliance. And of course, there are times when I think, ah, do I really want to be doing that? You know, I need to rein in my spending. I need to watch what I have regular payments for. But, you know, then I remind myself, really, there are people that are 
much worse off than me. And if you have a job, if you have a job and you have an income, no matter what the level, whatever the level is, you can afford 20, 30, 40 bucks a month. And that should be something you begin very soon if you haven't already. Even if you don't have a job, you could say that you should be giving money, right? There is an argument in that because if you're in a Western society, if you can afford internet to be watching, listening to this talk, then then you're already, in a sense, in a whole nother category. So that's donations. The other thing I wanted to add about donations is when you do a big lump sum, that would be the, the other moment to do that is in a, in a chapter of your life, in a turning point in your life. So when you have a big turning point, you want to do a big donation. So that would be when you're leaving a job, when you're getting married, when there's a death in the family, when you've retired from your career or when you've changed your career. So these Events, these big events, are actually a time to reflect and to actually have gratitude and to come back, right? And to give back, right? So a a wedding is a time like that, right? It's nice to coincide a donation and you could say, well, what about the expenses of the wedding? It's all about me, the wedding. And it's like, yes, but how much more powerful is that experience of it's all about you to actually humble yourself and to actually give something back In the case of the death of the family, well, some of the time, a lot of the time, when there's a death in the family, there's a transfer of wealth from one generation to another, and you've inherited some money. And that's actually a time to say, okay, I've just had this big lump sum of money come to me that I'm not used to and I wasn't relying on. I'm going to use that as an opportunity to give to someone. When you retire, you say, okay, I've worked all my life. I've done all the things that I need to do. I'm now in my twilight years and I've built up this wealth and I'm going to you know, sell the house and go traveling or I'm going to sit on the stock portfolio or I'm going to have access to my superannuation now or whatever it is. And that change in your financial situation is a great opportunity to say, Okay, now I can give a big lump sum to an organization or a person or a cause that I believe in. So that's donations. And really, to say a little bit more, uh, maybe we'll get back to sort of the big spenders in a second, but the other way of getting involved with philanthropy is to actually not give donations per se, but it's actually to do the work. So this is where you do a donation, not of money, but more of time and energy and skill. So if you have a skill, then you can use that to raise money. Now, the majority of the time, we use our skills to raise money for ourselves. We use our skills to actually build our own wealth and build our own life circumstances. Once you get to a certain point, once you reach a certain comfort or success or ability or uh, sort of like how, how sustainable or how 
how much it's pro- proliferated, right? How much your career has stemmed into an, an influence in the society around you, then you can give back, right? And this is something that a lot of people do. They reach a certain point and they say, okay, I'm going to do pro bono work for a certain portion of time. Now, just to look at one example, a lot of people do this when they have an online group, right? They have their followers, they have their mainstream channels, they have their mainstream talks, and then they have the inner circle or the private group or the the premium content, and you pay for that subscription, and then, then that money goes to charity, that money is given away to a cause. And that's costing the person nothing, right? They're just doing the work. They're just doing the content. They're doing the interaction with the fans. And that's something that I I would imagine is very rewarding, is very fulfilling for those people to do. Now, if you have an incredible skill, if you have a highly valued, high-paying skill, then that's something that goes even further. And really, when you get to a certain point, you've sort of got to weigh up the, the, the differences, right? Is it a matter of money or is it a matter of skill? And some people, particularly for artists, their only option is to use their skill. Their only option is to actually keep painting paintings or to keep making music and then to have the philanthropy taken care in a sort of with the accountant and on the books, right? With other people, their accounting and their business is their skill. And that's very different. That means that if they actually work on the business in the way that is to their intelligence, then that will mean that the money goes further, right? Because this whole thing of how far does the money go is... it's it's not a black and white question. It's not like you just say, okay, I'm going to do some research and then decide and then make my donation and then that's it. It might be that having your idea and your innovation and your work into, okay, how do we change systems to make life better for people? How do we implement processes that will alleviate poverty and suffering? And that, that's the philanthropy, right? That's the giving. That's the thing that is working for the greater good. Now, if you are at a certain point in your career, you are obliged to do pro bono work. That is the fact of the matter. Because success in your career is not... It's not a given, right? There's plenty of people who don't find high degrees of success. So to find a high degree of success where you're at the point where you can buy things comfortably for yourself obliges you to start using a portion of your time and skill and intelligence for pro bono work. So that is something that you must be doing. Now, where do we go next with this? We've done donations. We've done pro bono work. So now let's look at something else, which is volunteer work. And this is when you 
might not necessarily have a skill which is paying you big bucks and you don't necessarily have a career which is giving you big money. And this is where you basically volunteer your time and your energy as your philanthropy. And this would be where you actually do something which is work, which doesn't require much skill, right? This is the kind of working in the kitchen, mopping floors, feeding the homeless or taking care of the pets, the, the homeless cats and dogs, these sorts of things. Although I don't, I don't really know much about you know, the, the pet shelters. So maybe there is more skill to it than I realize. But there's a, a range of things that you can do to actually work and get your hands dirty, which will cost you no money and it will still help, right? It's, it's your time, your energy. And that goes a long way, right? To have workers as volunteers, that goes a long way. And many of these organizations that rely on volunteers are, are seriously lacking in skills and just people that are can do. Now, of course, <laughs> to, if you've ever worked in one of these organizations, it can be quite frustrating because <laughs> you end up with people who aren't very skilled and it's very inefficient and there's lots of backs and forths and it's sort of like, ah, how, can't, how come we can't just do this really well, <laughs> right? And of course, it's not always like that. Sometimes you get a team and it's just brilliant, right? You have these people who, who quite clearly are overqualified for the job and they're just doing it, right? So you do get both of it. But the, the, fa- the more important point for volunteering is when you work as a volunteer, there is something in the air. There's something different about it. When you work a normal job, when you have your normal grind, there's something going on which is that, you know, we are ultimately here for the money. We are ultimately here because we get paid and we're trying to reach our financial goals for a lot of jobs. Now, a lot of people are passionate about their jobs as well, but there's still this thing in the air of the money. And that ha- having that missing in volunteer work really gives you a different taste of what it's like to work with people, what it's like to actually interact with people, right? Because you don't have to have, if you're a manager, for, for instance, you don't have to sweat people. You don't have to scold people. You don't have to sort of have this thing in the background of, well, what's driving profit and how are we going to reach the the target? And that helps you practice working with people in a very different way. It, it's it's quite hard to put words exactly on it, right? You know, this whole image of the, the manager sweating someone for profits, you know, it's not it's not quite like that because I don't think work is entirely quite like that most of the time anyway, right? So to practice that, to have an experience of volunteer work and to taste that thing in the air that is so hard to put into words and then to go back to your normal job, your normal work, that is very much a a profound lesson to learn, a profound experience, a learning experience to have. So I've been volunteering 
as much as I can on meditation retreats. So that's pro bono work and that's another thing that you can do if you want to help with staff on meditation institutes then you'll be able to find one because these are all around the world and these are things that need good people. They need people who can sweep floors, cook the meals and get everything organized for the meditators to do their meditation. And that's something that's resonated with me. So those are a few little things. And of course, you can start your own fundraiser. That is something that is sort of the other side of donations. So think of an event that you can do and run your own call out, run your own thing that will raise funds and really think about it because these things you can't do too often, right? They're the things that you you, you want to be doing them probably less than once a year. I mean, depending on who you are and what your network is, you you know, if you're big time, you probably want to be doing one a year. <laughs> but if you're not as big time, you've got a small circle, then you don't want to be pushing it because if it happens again and again, then, you know, there's, there's, there's something that wears out about that. There's something that needs to be unique and special and people need to sense that this event is this one thing and it's this big thing that they can talk about for years. So that's a little bit about fundraisers. I mean, there's a lot that there's a lot that goes into fundraisers. There's a lot that you can do to make that a success. And part of it is just telling the story of where the funds will go. Why is it that these people are desperate for these funds? What is it? And then also following up. So that's very important. Now, I will I will now turn it towards like the big time, the big time spenders. And th- these are for the people who really have hit it big. And these are the millionaires and the billionaires. And they are in so many ways obliged to give their donations and to be a philanthropist. After a certain point, you must be a philanthropist. And of course, I mean, one of the ways Oprah put it was that she realized she had to be a philanthropist and yet she also had to do what was right unto herself and do the things for herself that would make her feel all right with what she's working on and working with. And of course, for that, for her, that meant that, well, she needs a multi-million dollar house. She needs a mansion. And in a sense, I can understand that. In a sense, you know, there is something to that. And of course, Oprah has been a philanthropist in so many different ways, in so many different times, in all forms of it, right? So she's an an incredibly affluent philanthropist. And, you know, it's not for me to to criticize and to, to judge. I mean, it's more than I'll ever do and I'll ever have the chance to do. But in another sense, but, you know, it's sort of like, but, you know, you are a multi-billionaire. But, you know, it's sort of like you should be doing that, right? So <laughs> these these massive big-time spenders, they have 
really got to do what they do. And when they give, you know, a million dollars here, $10,000 there, $100,000 somewhere else, then maybe that's the same proportion as to me giving, you know, $50 here or $30 there. And that's the way it should be. Maybe that's how it is. I would like for myself... I mean the the real the real hardcore people you know the Peter Singer types of the world they have a certain point that they reach in their income and then everything after that they give away so that's like that's like next level philanthropy and I sort of have this thing in my mind of like where I want to get to and then you know I start doing more and actually start giving away. And I mean, I, I've realized already for myself that, you know, you, you can't wait for that moment. If you wait for that moment, then you're always going to be putting it off. So that, that's why I've already begun doing at least something. But there is, you know, the, the position that I'm in is still sort of quite tentative, right? Like I'm unemployed at the moment and it's quite hard just to you know, do the basic things that I want to do, even just like doing this on this camera, this time and this energy that goes into this, right? That's that's quite a lot that costs me. It's quite a big costs. And there's, you know, there's nothing coming back from it at this stage. So that's something. And yet I still have this idea of like, if I can reach a certain point, then I'd be able to work completely pro bono right? Imagine that. Imagine if you could just work pro bono. And man, I I would love to just be able to say, look, here's a $5,000 donation. Here's a $10,000 donation. Here's a, you know, recurring payment here and there. You know, I'd love to have that kind of money. It must feel very good, very empowering. And who knows, maybe one day if we keep working, (laughs) I guess it's up to me to do the work, right? That's something that can motivate you. And another thing that I'll mention, which I should have probably mentioned earlier, which is just another little form of philanthropy, which is the scholarship. And this is something that is very, very sort of personal, right? It's very much a thing that can be like resonant for you in a very strong way. You can actually create your own scholarship. And so what you would do is you would pay, what you do is you pay for someone to do something you have done. And depending on the thing of what it is and what organizations are involved, you can actually set this up with a lot of organizations. It's almost like sponsoring someone, which is another sort of form of donations, you know, to have a sponsor child. But to set up a scholarship is to say, okay, well, let me give you an example. So one of my friends went to Africa to study drumming, right? African drummer. He was a, Af- he was a drummer. He, would, he was into the African rhythms. And hang on a second, my camera's about to run out. I need to change it. Okay, we're back. Sorry. Where was I? Okay, so my friend, he went to Africa to study drumming and that learning experience was something very 
powerful. And what ended up actually happening was he sort of, (laughs) I suppose I should tell the whole story, right? I can't tell half the story. I mean, the, the story is that the reason he could do that was because he got a scholarship, I believe, if I remember correctly. So he had done that on scholarship and that had been a a life-transforming experience for him, like a very powerful experience. And sadly, what happened is he, he died. He died in an accident, in a freak boat accident, very unfortunate. And he was very young. He was only 27, absolutely heartbreaking for for everyone who knew him. And, and he was an incredible guy, really happy guy, really friendly, really amazing. So it was very heartbreaking when he died. And one of the things that the family did was to actually set up a fund and to call for donations. And they used his death, his funeral, his passing, as an event to raise the funds and the funds were used as a scholarship for someone to go and do what he did. So that that's a very beautiful way. That's a very meaningful way to honor an experience of someone's life and someone's sort of big event in their life. And, you know, there's a number of ideas that I have for that for myself, right? You don't have to die to <laughs> to do to to have that, right? <laughs> and a lot of the things that I've been involved in are organizations that would accept scholarship structures or ventures, we could say. And of course, it it takes money, right? But the put your money where your mouth is because if you if you walk up to someone in these institutions and you say, okay, I'd like to organize a scholarship at your institution, then they, the first thing they're going to say is, well, how much are we talking, right? And if you've got money behind you, then you can say $5,000, $10,000, $20,000. How far is that going to take me? What is it going to cost? You know, to be in that situation, that's a very rich situation. You know, I couldn't do that right now. I couldn't have that conversation. I couldn't make that approach. So when you do have the money behind you, you don't you don't realize the power you have. You don't realize how much ability you can just go and have these conversations with. How much how much ability you have to have those conversations. And really that's that's the sort of broken like the 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 limit of philanthropy right because you can have the money you can have oodles of money and yet you can't necessarily think to go and have that conversation to approach that manager in that institution you might not think to say okay well what experience right so for example say you have these tens of thousands of dollars but you haven't been to Africa to learn African drumming, right? You haven't had that experience. Then you wouldn't think to say, okay, I'm going to sponsor someone to go to Africa to to have that experience, right? So you have to have your experiences unto yourself. And that would be 
like saying, I mean, I'm not saying so only pay for your own experiences and only explore your own things. And may, maybe there is a degree of that, you know, like after you've got a certain number of experiences that you've had because of the certain amount of money that you've got, then you will arrive at that point. And maybe that's how it works. But I wager that we need to arrive at that point sooner. We need to discover those moments sooner. And we need to find other ways than just flexing big money because we don't have big money. We only have what we've got. And I believe that wherever you're at, whatever you're at, then you're obliged to do at least something. So those are some thoughts on philanthropy and I think it's a good place to start with monthly donation and volunteer 10 days a year at a meditation retreat or at a shelter somewhere and when you make the big time when you've made those big bucks right when you've had your IPO when you've had your multiple ventures and you've paid off your houses just remember that there's a number of ways to put that money to work and you are obliged to do it you have a responsibility to do it because there are many people in need right just to be able to come out of that constant oh how am i going to find my next meal how am i going to make rent this week oh how am i going to you know i really shouldn't have driven so much i'm going to have to drive less because petrol prices are going up right that that thing of just oh that crunch right of the the money problem the food the the rent and it's not a very nice place that i rent and you know i need to buy new clothes but i probably shouldn't and you know right these sorts of things that just it's like you know the walls are closing in right that feeling that stress to to come out of that to just ah uh, you know like that that's the relief of just finding a job <laughs> in so many ways it's like ah oh, when you get a job there's a relief. It's like, ah, oh, okay, I'm going to have some money coming in. It's going to be okay for a little while at least. And then, I mean, the irony is that later on you then <laughs> grow used to it. And then it's like, oh, why do I have this job? And it's like, oh, I need to find a better job, right? But there is a point where you get, you know, I mean, there, there is a horizon to reach, right? There is something. I mean, even though it's never-ending there is a moment to reach so yeah i mean these are some of the dynamics these are some of the things to think about and really get some ideas do something right if, you, if you're doing nothing then then do something right there's plenty of ideas here and when you make the big time really it is your duty so that's something to look forward to. That's something to actually motivate you to making the big time. All right. Thanks very much. That's all we have to say for now. I hope you're having a beautiful day and we'll be back soon with more.